Hello, everybody, and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo, and as always, I am so glad to be with you today. I have another outstanding show. I say that every week. I have a great show. I'm telling you, the shows get better. I'm not making that up. I wish I could make it up that the shows just, you know, just kind of stay the same, but they don't. They actually get better and better and better as we go along, and I am so excited about today's show because we're going to be talking to author John Tamney today. Uh, about his latest book entitled The End of Work, Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job. And I'm telling you, I read this book from cover to cover. Matter of fact, I read some of the sections over and over and over and over again. And I was like, oh, wow, I found a new direction. And I really did find a new direction in in all of this. And so we're going to talk to him, and I I can't be more excited and more pleased that he's going to join us today because he's going to be an awesome guest, and you're going to love you're going to love him, and you're going to want to listen to this show over and over and over again, which you can do on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, uh, Google Play, you name it. And by the way, the addresses are really easy if you want to listen to the replays of this show. All you have to do is type in www, you got that part right, with the dot, and then it's A-N-D, that stands for New Direction, and then whatever you want to go to. So if you go, if you want a New Direction iTunes, because you're an iTunes person, just type in A-N-D, iTunes.com, and that'll take you right to the iTunes feed. If you're a Stitcher person, just type in www.andstitcher.com, and that takes you to the Stitcher feed. Same is true of Google Play. Just type in A-N-D, googleplay.com, it'll take you right to the Google Play feed. So same is true of TuneIn Radio, and, and just everywhere we can think of, we try to get this out to you. And I want to thank all of you, first of all, for all the downloads and for you, all the people who watch the show and, and have made commentary, uh, you people have been amazing. And I want to thank you so much because your participation means so much to the success of the show. And you're allowing me to do something that I love to do. I never knew I was going to love doing this, and which is why I really wanted to do this interview, do this interview on the book. I never knew I wanted to be doing a radio show, podcast, that type of thing. That, that never crossed my mind at all. Never did. And I have found another love. You know I like reading books. You know I love to write books. And you know I like to go speak because I have, you know, well, my father gave me the gift for gab. So I have that as well. So before we get started talking to John, I want to check in with you like we do every week. Because we are four-part people. We are physical people, mental people. We are emotional people and we are spiritual people. So I want to check how are you doing in your four areas of your life today. Right, so let's start with the physical. How are you doing? On a scale of one to ten, one being that you are absolutely miserable, ten you are outstanding. How are you today? How are you doing today? You're three, you're four, you're five. And when I say physical, what do I mean? I mean, are you eating right? Are you working out? Are you taking some walks? Are you doing some things that are healthy for your heart? Are you doing the things that you're supposed to be doing? Are you taking the supplements that your doctor recommends you to take? Are you getting a little extra exercise? Are you saying no to bad things, right? Did you stop going through the fast food drive through maybe this week? Or, or maybe this is a new direction for you and what you're going to do is physically, you're just going to change, all right, than what you always have done in the past. So what are you on a scale of 1 to 10, right? All right. And remember, and, and remember, if you're three, you're three. It's okay. The question is, how do you get to a four? Okay? So, check in with yourself physically. All right, you got that number. Good. How about mentally? What do you mean, Jay, by mentally? Well, mentally, what are you doing to grow your mind? What are you doing to increase your knowledge? You know, I am so fortunate because I get to do the show, so I read a book a week. 
right? I mean, I get to read a book from an author every week. And so I'm expanding my knowledge. I'm growing in that area. So if you were to ask me, what am I? Well, I think I've got more room for grow, but I would say I'm a really solid eight right now when it comes to expanding my knowledge. You know, it doesn't have to be reading a book. Maybe you're trying to learn another language and you're trying to enhance that part of it. What are you doing to expand your brain and your mind? Because remember, no matter how old you are, and I don't care what your age is, you can always learn something else. Okay? So what are you on a scale 1 to 10 on your mental area? Okay, on a scale 1 to 10, where are you at emotionally? Right? Are you able to control your emotions? Are you better able to control your emotions? Are you intentionally making sure that when you're driving down the highway and somebody cuts you off, you're not screaming and yelling like a maniac? Is that you? Right? Do you have the road rage? All right, come on, come on, folks. Let's increase that number, right? Because we talk about emotional intelligence on the show, and one of the things about emotional intelligence is the ability to control our own emotions, that we don't have to be angry just because somebody cuts us off. Just because you somebody kicks you or you know does what they do to you, it doesn't mean that emotionally you have to respond in a particular way. The better that you're able to control your emotions, right, just it means that you're the higher your emotional intelligence. So what are you doing to improve that, right? Are you able to say no to your feelings? Are you able to say, I don't have to feel this way right now, right? So where are you on that scale of 1 to 10? Also, you know, part of the emotional piece is how well are you able to emote to others and relate to their emotions? Because that's powerful, right? One of the most powerful things that we'll ever do in our lives is be able to relate to one another emotionally. And the better you're able to do that just improves that emotional number. So where are you emotionally? And then number four, where are you spiritually? How are you doing in that area of your life where you're connected to something outside of yourself that you believe in? And you say, Jay, I don't believe in anything. I promise you, you do. You believe in something outside of yourself. There are too many things that we just can't explain in science and rationale and logic. There's just too many things. I promise you, you have faith in something outside of yourself that you believe that is going to help you do better or make you better. And you say, well, Jay, I believe in myself. Well, then you've made yourself your own God. Okay, I'll give you that. All right, if you're your own God, well, I hope that relationship's working out okay. But maybe perhaps you do believe in God, right? And if that's the case, how's that relationship going? Why would you put yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? And remember, you know, folks, you've got four numbers here, right? And the, the numbers kind of like the four corners of a chair. And I say this every week. You could think of it as the four legs of a table, right? And if you have numbers that are all over the place, well, try eating on a table that's crooked, okay? And then if you go, yeah, well, mine are pretty even, but they're pretty low. Well, think about trying to eat off a table in a normal chair that's way down by your ankles. That makes things uncomfortable. So the goal here is to constantly improve and, and even yourself out and be a well-balanced person because that's part of what we want you to do here on A New Direction. Because the whole goal here on A New Direction is to help you find a new direction in your life, in your business, in your career. And even if it's another thought and a different way of thinking, that's what we want to do here. And I am so honored because I have today one of somebody who helped me find a new direction. And I don't say that very often on this show. Well, actually it happens all the time. I guess I just don't admit it. How about that? So I have read this book entitled The End of Work, Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job. It's written by John Tamney, who has been so graciously holding on, uh, holding on for me here on the phone. So let me just introduce him real quick, quickly, okay? So John Tamney is the editor of RealClearMarkets.com, or RCM, a spinoff of the policy website RealClearPolitics. 
Uh, RCM seeks to compile top quality information and opinions about the stock market's global economy, economy. Tammany frequently writes about the securities markets along with tax, trade, and monetary policy issues that impact those markets for a variety of publications. And listen to these publications, the Wall Street Journal, Investor's Business Daily, Financial Times, National Review, London's Daily Telegraph. Tamney, uh, John is also the author of Popular Economics, uh, What the Rolling Stones, Downtown Abbey, and LeBron James Can Teach You About Economics, and, and that's out there. By the way, you can find that book. It's easy to find. Uh, he also wrote Who Needs the Fed, What Taylor Swift, Uber, and Robots Tell Us About Money, Credit, and Why We Should Abolish America's Central Bank. And the current book that we're talking about is The End of Work and Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job, which, by the way, is available wherever books are sold. If they don't have it on the shelf, you tell them to get it on the shelf. And otherwise, you can find it on Amazon. It's available hardcover, audiobook, Kindle, and MP3 CD. So you can find it in any sort of way. And so I want to welcome, and please welcome to the show, John Tamney. John, welcome to A New Direction. Hey, Jay. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm thrilled to be here. So, John, I, I got to tell you, I, I, this book, The End of Work, Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job, I, 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 I had this idea, this vision that this book was going to be something completely different because I'm one of those people that constantly question, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Because I'm one of these multi-skilled people that can do a lot of different things. My, my wife calls me a renaissance man. Because, you know, I, I dabble in this, dabble in that, and I, I do pretty well. I'm not telling you I'm great, but I do pretty well at them. Uh, speaking seems to come to the top, and, and, and writing has worked out pretty well for me, and now I'm doing this whole radio podcast thing that just I fell in love with. And so I thought this was going to be a book about, well, how, I, how am I going to discover my passion? Oh, my God, was <laughs> I wrong. <laughs> and what this book but it really did help me in a lot of ways and I, and it's going to help a lot of people because uh you are a first of all fabulous writer the, the great read this is an absolute great read and, and totally enjoyed it right from the beginning but this book is really that for people to really understand that you have an opportunity out there to do really whatever you can possibly dream and you can be successful. Is that, is that a fair synopsis? Yeah, it is. And, and, and I want to stress it in terms of you. Think about you. You get to read for a living, among other things. On its own, that is a triumph of capitalism, of the country that we live in that you're not spending every day, which is historically what people did, just searching for food to survive, that's taken care of. And so you get to do something you love. You also add, and, 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 and I believe you, you're a renaissance man. There are lots of things you've discovered that you're quite, quite good at that you could do and make a living doing, and that you do. You, you get to speak, among other things, for a living. 150 years ago, all that's brilliant about you would have been suffocated. Now you did you grew you grew up on, on, on a farm and so you understand this. 150 years ago, that was realistically the only option for people. You grew up and you knew that once you were able, you were going to work six days a week from dawn to dusk on a farm. It didn't matter if you loved it or hated it, that's what you were going to do to survive. And so I think about someone like you, think how lucky you are to to live at the time the time and place that you do and, and where you do. 
because your genius is not suffocated by the past by a small economy, and that's what my book is about, it's saying that everyone is very good at a lot of things. The trick is, and this is hard, find out what it is you're good at, and you can make a career out of it. You know, I I love that notion, and and I love the notion right away from the very beginning of the book that what is it, I, you know, I come from an academic world, okay, I, you know, I went to college, what, nine years, you know, working on my master's and working towards my doctorate, and and in psychology, and by the way, psychology pays zero money, okay, there's no <laughs> money in psychology, uh, and, and I got to be honest with you, it, it really is great, and I taught, you know, most of the, I have to be honest, most of my time was spent teaching or doing something related to psychology, but I was really not doing the thing that I want to do, and what I wanted to do is I really wanted to make, I really wanted to help as many people as I possibly could understand the psychology of the human and help them be better at what they were. I was so entranced by the inverted U theory of performance and years ago and was so entranced and I said, God, if I could just find a way to reach so many people to help them be better, voila, what am I doing? Well, now, you know, thousands of people find me and, and listen and we do this show and, and people download it over and over and over again and it's, it's crazy, right, that I'm doing that thing that I really dreamed of doing at all for, you know, for my life. This is what I wanted to do. I wanted to help as many possible people as I could. And I get to do that speaking. I get to do that writing. And I get to do that here. And I was like, man, but you know what? They screwed up. You know, the, the college te taught teaches the philosophy of something. But they don't teach you how to do it. Do you mean, I mean, it's like... My best example is they teach you the philosophy of fishing. Okay, they don't teach you how to fish, but they teach you a philosophy of fishing. Okay, and then and and it, it's whoever the professor is, they have their own unique philosophy of fishing. So they will espouse their philosophy of fishing, and then they send you out after four years. You have a philosophy of fishing. Now you don't know how to fish. Okay, you you have no idea how to fish, but you got a philosophy of it. And, and you, on your book, say, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, stop, stop worrying about all the philosophy stuff. What were you created, you have a certain, you have, you've been created to do something, and maybe a bunch of things, and you're really good at them, and it makes you unique, why don't you pursue that? And why don't you make that your education? I, and I think that's beautiful. Oh, absolutely. You know, everyone is good at something. Think about it. Anyone listening, there are things that you get around your friends and you can do them better than all they can. You just know it. You feel it. That's not something that can be taught. Um, if, if your thing is you want to be an investment banker, let's just, I'm just throwing that out because some people are incredibly passionate about that work and we know it because they work endless hours doing it. Um, if you're good, at, if you're meant to do that, no amount of education is going to make is 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 necessary is going to make you better at that. Conversely, if you weren't meant to be an investment banker, no amount of education is going to change that truth. And so, my thing is is rather than rely on education to prepare you for the working world, recognize that almost by definition, professors are teaching yesterday's news. So you've got to find out what you're good at. It's not a knock on education to say that. We live in a dynamic economy. 
where the nature of work is changing all the time. Thank goodness it's changing all the time. It used to be that our options were very limited. And, but because of that, you can't be taught how to do things. Uh, what we find in, is that the U.S. is the richest country in the world because it's got talented people who were able to uh, pursue that which made them great. The U.S. is not the richest country in the world because it has great, the great universities. It has great universities because it's got the most talented people on earth who funded them. And so people have to take themselves out of the mindset that school is going to teach them how to do things. Now, you already know how to do things, and thankfully you live in, at a time and place in which you can do those things. You, you, and you know what? It, it is kind of cool. And I love how you started this because I'm, I got to tell people my new direction on this because people are going to think I've just committed blasphemy when I say this. So you talk about football, which, by the way, is like if you were if you if you wanted to capture me in the first chapter of any book, just start talking about football. I don't care what it is. <laughs> just talk about football. And you're talking about these athletes who make millions of dollars and you start thinking about it for a second and you go these guys in one year will can, can and largely do make more money than people in jobs will do for a lifetime in one year right and you yep. go and you go wow that's pretty crazy but then you say something to the effect why don't we have a football major and I was like, "Have you lost your mind? I have been. I have been working with student athletes. Remember, it's student athlete, John. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's student. They're not athletes. They're students. And then you start putting it together, and you go, "But the NFL is a multi-billion-dollar business that has more than just football players. Yes, you have football players, but then you got coaches, assistant coaches, and they do extraordinarily well. And then you've got sports psychologists that." work through things and you've got specialists that do things and trainers and you got nutritionists that have to help these people and you start to think about it and you go and you've got people who were statisticians because everything is built around big data now who've never played a game of football but want to learn as much as they can about it and I went and I had to agree with you John why don't we have a football major why don't we have a football major yeah, yeah well, it's based on this 20th century vision of the world that football is not a career. But in fact, it is, and you've just laid it out. Let's first say you know this better than I. Football is an incredibly cerebral sport. To be good at it, you have to memorize in split-second fashion phone book-size uh, playbooks. I may know more than J- Jameis Winston about economic policy. In fact, I know I do. But if I presume to talk football with him, if I presume to understand what he can diagram in split-second fashion on a whiteboard, he would make me look very stupid very quickly. Yet we tell Jameis Winston, no, 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 prepare. When you go to college, focus on business classes, focus on other things. You've got to prepare for life after football. And I say, why? We don't, we don't make fun of business majors because they focus all their energies there even though a much smaller percentage of them will ever get a job at Goldman Sachs, let alone interview there. We don't make fun of English majors and journalism majors for focusing on those classes, even though an even smaller percentage will ever write a fiction novel that anyone reads or or work at the New York Times. But when someone has the temerity to focus their energies on something they are so good at, 
that they are literally handed a scholarship that probably costs 500000 to a million dollars. We say, oh, no, focus your energies elsewhere. And I say, why? What's more valuable when you're getting out of school, even if you don't make the NFL, at which point you're out, you'll out earn all of your classmates. Even if you don't make it, what, what, what's more interesting to an employer? The A you got it in that accounting class at Alabama or that you played for Nick Saban for four years? <laughs> what's got more juice with the alums at Stanford that you got an A in history class or that you got an interception against Cal because you spent extra time in the film room? Football boosters are the most accomplished, or, or some of the most accomplished alums of that school. What's going to get you higher places, the time spent in, in, in these classes that aren't very meaningful, or focusing on what you do best? And then, of course, you've alluded to the basic truth that in football, it's now a career, even if you don't make the NFL. There are 36 coaches. In fact, the number in the book is 23, but it's now 36 high school coaches in the state of Georgia alone who earn over $100,000 a year, high school football coaches. Yet we tell football players who rate a scholarship, oh, yeah, do something else. Focus your energies elsewhere. Why in school? Why would we say that to talented, smart people to de-emphasize what they're brilliant at? I, I don't understand. you. And, and listen, I am guilty. I, I, I told you this before we got on the air. I am guilty of making the error, and I made a fundamental error of saying, you know, you, you can't have you, – I did. I said this. I know I did. I said football can't be a major. You know what? It can be a major. And, and, I'll, t- and, I, and I'll tell you something. And here, here I played college football, right? And it was admittedly small college ball, but it's still college football. And we had to learn a variety of things. We had to learn a variety of playbooks on defense. You know, we had to learn different defenses, when to shift, when not to shift, what the loops, twists were how to line up at different angles, different gaps, knowing what our numbers were, zero through nine, and knowing where we were going to be and what the loops meant and who was going first, who was going second under certain circumstances and whether it was cover four, cover three, cover two, man over, whatever whatever it may have been, right? We had to learn all these things. And I'm a defensive lineman, okay? And I, and I had to learn all of this stuff. And I'm like going, why didn't we have a football major? How great would it have been because do you know John to this day I will sit and watch film I will watch film over and over and over again I, I, I enjoy it I enjoy watching I what it. people do and and I, I I'm like going man why didn't we have a football major how great would it have been to learn all the intricacies of football and and learn how to be a coach and then what about the business of football what about just learning the business of football? There is so much to learn. Th- these coaches in the NFLs, sh- in the NFL, should have after their name, PhD, because seriously, yes. that's what it takes to be a coach in the NFL. And I am, and and it really gave me an insight, John. And and you, and and transfer translate this over to any sport, basketball, baseball. You did that so brilliantly in your book, but translate that over. Why, why have we been so? And and look, I was an academic, and I was up in the academician. I don't understand why we're so stuck. Why are we so stuck that we can't see that these sports are actually providing an income for these people? Why not give them what they want? Why not give them what they're good at? Why not give them what they're passionate at? It's providing them income, but it's also providing them with, with pride and happiness. 
isn't it fun? You obviously love to speak, and you love to speak because it's something that reinforces one of your one of your many talents. What makes you happier than to get up on the podium and showcase your skills to people? It is fun. It's endlessly interesting. Some people look at speaking, and it just terrifies them, but it obviously doesn't for you. So we tell people who know a sport that is incredibly complicated to learn, no, 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 that's not right that you focus on what elevates you uniquely. And I think this is so backwards. I mean, you look at someone like LeBron James. It's not just that he's a good athlete. Look, they're all good athletes. He's the greatest basketball mind on earth. He sees things that other people don't see. I loved what he said about the Golden State Warriors during the finals this year. He said, you know, they're all good athletes. But he said what makes them great is their collective intelligence on the court. Mm. Yet we tell people all the time, hey, hey, you're really good at this, but that's not a future. In fact, it is a future for all the reasons that you've described. It's not just that you can become a coach or an assistant coach or that you can be- become a trainer. Or you know, There are people who teach people how to be a quarterback today. There are the, the endless ways in which you can make a wonderful living in sports. So the paycheck is brilliant. But also think how much fun it is to be you. And why is it fun to be you? I know you work incredibly hard. I know your hours are probably pretty brutal. But they don't, it's not work to you because you're doing something that you love. Yet we constantly tell people that because they're brilliant at something that involves, quote, playing, oh, no, 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 don't focus on that. Learn things that we learn. Learn accounting and business because that, that, that's, that's a reasonable career. Oh, be serious. That's so wrong to tell someone to de-emphasize what, what elevates them. It's so true. We're talking to John Tamney, author of the book, The End of Work, Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job. Available at bookstores everywhere. If it's not in your bookstore, ask for it. It's also available on Amazon, hardcover, Audible, Kindle, MP3, CD. And today's show, by the way, I forgot to say this, by the way, is brought to you by the La Jolla Writers Conference. The La Jolla Writers Conference, where else would it be? But La Jolla, California will be October 26th, 27th, and 28th. If you're interested, or let's say you just want to write a book, check out La Jolla, that's L-A-J-O-L-L-A, writersconference.com, and check out La Jolla's Writers Conference, because I'm telling you, if you're an author or aspiring to be one, they're going to have some of the best authors and writers that you're going to be able to work with. The numbers work out to like one author or speaker per five students. They limit it to 200 people. You're not going to be disappointed this October so check it out, the La Jolla Book Con- Writers Conference. That's LaJollaWritersConference.com to get more information. And we're still talking to John Tamney. John, one of the things that I uh, found in incredibly awesome, and you, you really just just shouted it out, and is that this whole idea that we don't, you know, we don't get upset if you love numbers and you become an accountant or an actuarial person. Nobody ever gets upset about that. But if you are really, really good at playing a video game, <laughs> right? If you're really good on your, your Xbox or whatever is out there right now, PlayStations or whatever they are, if you're really good... We want you to stop exercising your thumbs and get outside. But but this is now become a multi-million, 10 million, it's almost a billion dollar business, this whole idea. People are watching people. I, I, 
I was I couldn't believe it. I'm watching ESPN and my wife and I are out to dinner. ESPN's on on a TV, and we're watching these teams go head to head playing a video game. And and it, on ESPN. Yep, is it not amazing? And you know, I one of the funnest thing I loved writing this book, but the funnest thing was researching it because I had no idea. And then you start reading about how video gaming is has some of the biggest prizes in the world. It's one of the most watched quote sports in the world. Um, if when you and I were growing up, if we had told people we were going to play video games for a living, they would have said we had a substance abuse problem. If we had then said, "Oh no, I'm going to become a video video game coach someday," they would have had us committed. But this is what you get in a prosperous society. Uh, what happens as prosperity grows is that more and more people are freed from drudgery, and they're in fact able to do work that doesn't feel like work. We're so rich as a country today that the demand for entertainment grows and grows by leaps and bounds. And one of the ways in which it's grown is that uh, what used to be a childhood activity, something that ended in childhood, can become a lifelong career. It's not just the NBA has NBA 2K. That's a $35,000 starting salary for a video game player. But at the higher end, uh, the top video gamers earn over a million dollars a year. It's so lucrative that they now have coaches who earn over $50,000 a year. This is something important. If, imagine if prosperity continues to grow, guys like you and I will be, con- you will be continuing to marvel at the range of ways in which people can make a living, that they can, they can showcase their intelligence in ways they couldn't. What you do today, your parents probably couldn't have done. My dad always wanted to be a basketball coach, but it just wasn't as realistic of a, a path for him. We live at a time and a place in which you can do these kinds of things. You know, I do find it amazing that we are now living in, and by the way, everybody, Facebook Live, sorry that we were late getting on the air. Uh, we had some technical issues. I apologize for that, but we're talking to John Tamney, author of the book, and I'm going to show it right now for those of you who've been waiting. The End of Work, uh, I'm holding the book up right now so that you all can see it, The End of Work, Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job. And by John, and John Tamney is out of Washington, D.C., and fabulous, fabulous book. I really want you to buy the book. Not only do I want you to buy the book, I want you to hire him to speak because the guy is an economic genius. And he is looking at economics from, I think, if you've never heard of Henry Hazlitt, I really highly suggest that you read Henry Hazlitt's book from, I think it's the 50s, on on economics because what Henry Hazlitt has said is all come true. All of it has come true about looking at us as individuals and then looking at us as a society, as a group, because we dictate. Governments don't dictate it. We dictate how the economy is going to run. And it's really uh, very cool. And we're talking to John right now. And, John, I want to tell you that I am – did I – hopefully I didn't mess up Henry Hazlitt's book too much there. Um, (laughs) One of the things, John – that blows me away is that sometimes we get stuck and I think there is a piece of me and and, and I'm asking you to go deeper in the book psychologically here and probably you weren't intending for this conversation to happen but it's going to Uh, (laughs) but I think sometimes we get stuck I think there's a part of us that gets afraid to say if I really did what I wanted to do I will never be able to make a living but that's not true is it? 
No, it's not true. And I think, I think you, you, you're 100% correct. I think it's easy for us to say, yeah, I'd like to do that, but I can't because it's not realistic economically. Well, that's, that's an easy way out. And look, my point is happiness is hard. Happiness is blood, sweat, and tears. You know, if it were about, if, if happiness were about not working, uh, well, uh, f- uh, one of your fellow Nebraskans, Warren Buffett, could write a lot of us checks that would <laughs> free, up, free us from working for the rest of our lives, but, but he couldn't give us happiness. Uh, happiness comes from doing something that you love very well. And so you, you, it's, it's hard work, but it doesn't feel like work. And you can only do that if you find that which elevates what's unique about you. And, and, and I'm not saying it's easy. I, I didn't become a writer overnight. Right. Um, I had to have a lot of failure on the way to becoming a writer. I had to do a lot of jobs to pay the bills that had nothing to do with writing so that I could be a writer, but it was all worth it because now look at what I'm doing. I am literally paid to read and write my opinions and speak my opinions and write books. I am paid to get to talk to interesting people like you and, and get to, and to talk about my book to thousands of people listening to you. Can you believe that? But it took a long time to get here. Happiness is hard. It took a lot of embarrassment. It took a lot of uncomfortable conversations to get to this point, but it's worth it. And I just think some people will say, okay, I don't want to go through the interim steps, um, which is fine, but you're avoiding happiness that is that it can only result from taking those interim steps that are sometimes difficult. Mm. I, I like to say I'm an overnight success after 20 years of sweat and failure. And, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, is what I like to tell people because it it just doesn't happen that way. It and 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 by the way, I got into this late. Okay, I mean I got into this whole thing late. So, and and and, and I want to encourage people. You know, I I didn't start. I didn't write my first book till I was 50. I'm 54. And I didn't write my first book, and we got it into bookstores, and and it did really well, and it's on Amazon, it's still out there, and people listen to me read my book on Audible, and I'm always blown away and embarrassed, uh, grateful, certainly. But I got into this thing late, because writing was an accident, because I was always told I was never a good writer, writer, but I loved writing. And I uh, even had to take remedial English in college, but I loved writing, and it was my editor who told me, Suzanne Murray, by the way, Suzanne, if you're watching, um, my my editor said to me, she said, you're an amazing writer. You can say things in a way that no one else can say them and make them feel at home. And that was all I needed. Isn't that amazing? I just needed someone to to just say to me, who I who I felt had a good it was a good authority to say to me, you're a great writer. And yet in college I was told I was awful because I couldn't figure out where a semicolon went. You know, and it's 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 really interesting. I think sometimes we major on the minors and minor on the majors, so frequently. And and you know, when I read your book, and you know, I you know, you you alluded this to you know, I read your book. You know, the truth of the matter is, you were we're all on a journey, and you were on your journey, and you were selling, and you worked for Goldman Sachs. You you were you were I mean, you were doing things that you didn't necessarily like to do, but you were pretty darn good at them. I mean, because you were still a pretty good salesman, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no, I think I was. And, and, 
but I still, I, as as I note in the book, you know, I'm I'm at Goldman, and and most days I was the first one in the office and everything. But I thought I can't be these guys. These guys around me just love equities. The whole thing about it just excited them on a level. And I didn't re- it took me a while to understand it, but I didn't, I thought, I, I kind of understood, I can never, I can never win here. It wasn't that I was going to necessarily fail, but I could never be great like they were. And so luckily, it was just agony at the time. It was embarrassing. It took me years to get over. But ultimately, they laid me off. There were mass layoffs in 2001, and, and, and I was one of the people that was let go. It was brutal. I, I, I just I have dreams about it to this day, but it was the best thing that ever happened to yeah. me because I was at Goldman thinking that I was lazy. I was thinking that I lacked the work ethic that the people there had. They just couldn't get enough of their work. Mm. Turns out I wasn't lazy. Everyone's got work ethic. So do I. It's just I was in the wrong job. When it comes to writing, it's nothing for me to write all weekend. It's nothing for me when I've got free time to go sit down and write an op-ed or add to my to the books I write because it's something I love uncontrollably. I'm an incredibly hard worker. I just never knew it, and I think that describes a lot of people. For those of you out there listening who, who think you're lazy, you are not lazy. If you feel lazy, it's because you're doing that which doesn't reinforce your unique skills and, yes, your intelligence. Happiness is hard. You must find that which you can't get enough of because that will unleash your innate work ethic. Wow. Uh, amen? Do I say amen there? Is that because I'm playing yeah. with John preaching? That's, uh, that's, that's, that's what I keep saying. I mean, so, and, and see, you know this because you played sports, and, and I think that's so crucial. Sports Illustrated is one of the greatest teachers of life, I think, that exists on Earth, the great magazine. And what fascinates me about it is the endless stories of how of the work these athletes put in. They're incredibly intelligent in their chosen profession, and they put in enormous amounts of work. We always hear it about investment bankers, about scientists, but athletes do too. They're just do they're they're the investment bankers of their field. That they are doing things that they love uncontrollably and they have a knowledge of it. At, that is, it's that it's at a level of what you and I feel we have about our chosen careers, and so that the hours they put in, we're all like this. We've just got to find what makes us like this. Uh, you're you're joining us here on Facebook Live and live all over the place, and also you'll be listening to this, of course, on iTunes later and whatever your favorite uh, podcast is. You can listen to that as well. And we're you're watching a new direction with me, Jay Izzo. And I'm talking to outstanding author, uh, magnificent guest. Matter of fact, he almost brought a tear to my eye. Uh, John Tamney, the end of work, <laughs> while your passion can become your job. I, you said something there that hit me in my soul so hard. I felt my, I was having to, I was having to go through an emotional control moment because uh, it was, it was so beautiful. Listen, this book is worth. It, listen, don't just buy one. Buy one for you, and then give it to some. Buy one for someone else and give it to them because I'm going to tell you something. This book is just, to me, it was a life-changing experience to kind of open my eyes to stuff that I kind of felt inside, but I was unable to express, and and John has expressed it, and then put the economics to it, and you kind of go, whoa, you know, and 
And and it's again, it's the end of work while your passion can become your job. Any bookstore, find it. Amazon's got a hardcover audiobook, Kindle, MP3, CD. However you want to, however you like uh, consuming books, uh, he's got it in every way possible that you can do that. Uh, great book. I'm holding it up to the camera again so everybody can see it. Uh, Van, just a great book. You know what, John? You, as you're talking, one of the things that struck me, and I think you made mention of this in the book too, is that. You know, we we've been really hard on millennials, very very hard on millennials. And I, I don't. And first of all, I don't like even calling them millennials. They're just another generation, okay? And we've we've accused them of being lazy and entitled and all these things. And I am so infuriated by that because I I was accused of being lazy and and entitled and you know, irresponsible, and it was all those things. I, I really was. I, I was. I was accused of being all those things. And rebellious, right, wouldn't listen, wanted to do my own thing. And then I read your book and I go, you know what, when these, when these young people find what they're great at, and, and here's what I love about them, they don't want to just go to a job. Because they understand that a job is just just over broke. That's what that means. Just over broke. That's the <laughs> definition of a job. All right. They don't want to go to a job. They want to do something that makes a difference in their life that fits them. And when you say you're not lazy, you just haven't found what fits you. You could not be more accurate. I, I just I you could not be more accurate because. I have been in that position even in my 40s where I was doing something and I could do it and I was competent at it, but I was miserable. I dreaded every day I was doing it and, and I was miserable at it and, 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 and I was still doing it, but I didn't enjoy it. And, and, and then I think, you know, this is the thing that we say about millennials. They just don't want to work. No, they do. They just want to work at what they're good at. Right, right. Am, am, am I catching the essence of that? Oh yeah, of course. Does and, and think think about what you're describing about yourself or what people said about you when you were younger. You're, I, I believe, Generation X, like I am. They made movies about our generation. <laughs> reality, reality bites, singles. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what's the other one? Slacker. There's a book yeah. about us called Generation X by Douglas Copeland saying that we were going to underperform our parents. We were going to live with our parents. We were going to work at, at Gap and fold shirts for life. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. And then the, and then the internet boom happens, um, created by Generation X. These kids grew up around the technology and were closer to it, and they became the richest generation in the history of the richest nation in the history of the world. To be clear, they say about every generation what they said about you. And all that signals is that we're experiencing amazing economic progress. People look at younger people and they think, oh, look at how easy you have it. Look at how aimless you are. Well, of course it's easy because the economy gets better and better. And so people uh, get to get more at a younger age. They also don't have to mature as quickly simply because uh, – they, they're living longer, they can, and they can earn a lot of money a lot more quickly. Right. But to be clear, you know, if, there's a great book called A Message to Garcia. It's actually a pamphlet that everyone in the military is required to read, and it's about how don't, don't ask questions, just do what you're told. 
but it was written by a businessman in 1899. He was describing young people in 1899, and he was saying they're imbecilic, lazy. They only want to do what's in their job description. Now think about it. That you could take a message to Garcia, and you could and you could apply it to millennials today, and you could say it was written about them, and no one would notice the difference. Every generation they talk bad about because every generation is more it, it has it easier than the one before them. But they all eventually discover their calling in life, and they become extraordinarily rich and successful. Mark my words, I put in the book: millennials be the richest generation in the history in the history of the U.S. until the next generation surpasses them. Uh, what we're saying about them is what's said about every generation. And to your point, of course, millennials want to work, they, they, but they're more choosy about it, which they should be. Thank goodness they get to be choosy about their work. Again, 150 years ago, you didn't have any choices. You knew what you were going to do. Thank goodness they don't have to go through that. And imagine what their kids will get to do if their choices are going to be staggering. I wish I could live another 200 years to see the kind of work that's going to be around in the future. It's going to be amazing. I I totally agree. We're talking with John Tamney, author of the book, The End of Work, Why Your Passion Become Your Job. I, I, I could not agree with you more. I, I also, I also believe, I, I really believe that, and, and I think this falls into something that you said in your book too, is that technology hasn't reduced the number of jobs. The only jobs it's reduced are the low paying jobs. Technology has just actually increased our ability to make more money. I, I, right? I mean, did I read oh, that? absolutely. Did I, did I read that yeah, wrong? Yeah, no. If, if it were about creating jobs, let's just abolish the computer, uh, the ATM, the car, and Wi-Fi. <laughs> Everyone will be working. We'd, we'd be incredibly poor, but we'd all be working. Right. All robots and automation do is they erase the parts of work that we hate. Robots and automation will be the biggest job creators in history, but what's crucial here is they'll be the biggest creators of jobs that we love. They're going to make us fall in love with work because the more that you can automate away what's not important, you're able to specialize. And what are specialized workers like? They're happy workers because they're doing that which reinforces them. We get to do what we love because we've automated so much away. Let's go, but you're a farm child, so you understand this. You, 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 probably, you get this better probably than I do. 150 years ago, I keep going back to this, most people knew their path in life. Once they were able, they were going to work on a farm six days a week, dawn to dusk, whether they loved it or hated it. And then robots came along, the tractor, fertilizer, things that reduced the number of hands required to create the food necessary to survive. These were the biggest job destroyers in history. But as opposed to putting people in bread lines, they didn't do that. They freed people up to showcase their unique skills and intelligence. They were able to cure disease, create the automobile, uh, create the airplane, become entertainers, become athletes, become coaches, teachers, psychiatrists. Thank goodness 
Jay Izzo wasn't born 150 years ago because I don't think Jay is a very happy person 150 years ago simply because all that you do for a living today wasn't an option back then. All these immense skills you had would have been suffocated by a lack of robots back then, a lack of automation that would have forced you to do to pursue a very narrow career path when, in fact, your, the range of work that you do expands all the time. It does. It, it literally does. I... People say, well, what are you, you going to do next? And I say, I don't know. Because I said, you know, this thing has, this thing has just mushroomed. It just keeps growing. And I said, but I don't mind it. I, I love doing what I'm doing. I am excited. And yes, have I monetized this podcast uh, live thing? Not yet. Not yet. But I'm going to tell you it's coming. I will. I will because it, it, it's, it's, it's going to happen because... I have watched too many people do this do this thing and they're able to monetize it and make quite a great living, you know, as a supplemental income. And I love doing this. John, there is nothing better as a talker. There is nothing better than to talk to people about what you've learned in your book. Okay, I, I'm, 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 I'm serious. I, there's just nothing better for me to do that. And here I am talking to you, the expert in this, and I'm going, okay, are, is, can he, is he verifying my ideas? Is he solidifying those things for me? I mean, this is the beautiful thing about what I do. I am constantly expanding my repertoire because of you. you you're giving more to me than I could ever give to you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing your book. I'm holding your book up to the camera right now. Mevo is looking at the camera, and I'm putting the end of work, why your passion can become your job, and why aren't you buying this book right now? You, do you know that on Amazon you can do that thing that says, Buy now with one click. Buy now. Click that. Buy now with one click. Buy this book, because because you give me more. I always tell I always tell my guests you give me so much more than this, and that that it ends up expanding what I do, which is amazing to me. It's isn't it true? It's wonderful, and and it's it's a modern thing. Let's let's be clear. If not for the old, one of the great robots of all time, the internet. Odds are we're not speaking today. Odds are you don't have a way to reach people with all the things that impassion you. And so it doesn't mean that you're not, it doesn't mean that you're starving, but it does mean that you're probably less of a fulfilled person. And what should excite everyone listening is to listen to Jay Izzo's passion, listen to my passion. We are so lucky to get to do what we do. But where it gets really fascinating is imagine a couple generations from now, the myriad ways in which people will get up thinking, I can't wait for today to begin because that's where I get to be a star. Uh, Warren Buffett gets to be a, the, a brilliant capital allocator. He's excited about every day because every day is an affirmation of what's brilliant about him. I'm merely describing a world in which more and more people will view the workday in the way that Warren Buffett is because work is where people get to be superstars. I contend that we're headed for a time in which people will say, in which retirement will become a dated notion, as in people will say, retire. Why on earth would I stop doing what I love? This wasn't in the book, but I put out an op-ed in support of the book about Peyton Manning when he retired from the NFL. He was bawling. Tiger Woods has been fighting for years to not have to quit golf. Both, both men have more money than they'll ever need. But work 
is what elevates them. It's what they love to do. And I contend more and more people will feel about work what Jay Izzo does, what Tiger Woods does, what Peyton Manning does, and that's a wonderful thing. I I agree so wholeheartedly because I don't want to retire. I have now found things that I love to do. I don't want it to end. I don't want to go riding off into a sunset somewhere and, and do whatever. No, I want to do this. And I don't want, matter of fact, I learned, I just learned recently that in 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 uh, the old Jewish language, I'm not Jewish, but I, I, I study some, and in Hebrew, in the old Hebrew, there's no word for retirement. There's no word. There, oh. there is no word for retirement in the old Hebrew language. Did you, I love it. Is that crazy? There's no word. Because it, we. I don't think we were ever meant to retire. I think we were just meant to change maybe something, but our usefulness doesn't end with age. Matter of fact, we have something more to give as we get older. There's something more that we need to pass on to the next generation if our minds are open to it. And yes, we have knowledge. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, have a, we have immense knowledge. Why would you want to quit doing what you enjoy so much? But, you know, it wasn't always that way. You look back to the past, and this, this what always fascinates me when people say we're going to bring back manufacturing jobs. That's so, that, that, that is such a backwards way of looking at the world simply because – Remember the culture of the steel mill towns. They used to make movies about them that the kids were always trying to escape it. And their parents were saying, don't do what we do. These jobs will maim you. They'll kill you. Get out. Go get to do, go get to do something else. Work used to be something that we did to survive. People say we eat to live. We used to work in order to live. Now we live to work, and that's a really exciting thing. I, I so agree with you. Uh, we've been talking to John Tamney, and I'm, I've taken him over time. Sorry, folks, I've taken him over time. I'm sorry <laughs> to you, John, I've taken you over time. And we have been talking uh, with him about different aspects of his, this book entitled The End of Work, Why Your Passion Can Become Your Job, and uh, by John Tamney. And, and John, you have I, I could talk to you for hours because I didn't even get to venture buyers, which I found a brilliant concept. I didn't even get to that. And I and because I find that fascinating and millionaires and why we need them and and billionaires and why we need them and I didn't even get to that part because I wanted to throw in Shark Tank, you know, and I wanted you know to kind of talk about the idea of you know think about it Shark Tank is a bunch of multimillionaires who take people who have no money but have an idea and make them wealthy. I love that. I just love that whole concept. We, we need those people, right? We do. We just do. Oh, yes. If Without them, we need people who have unspent wealth. <laughs> we just, They're the most crucial drivers of success and progress of anyone because there are no entrepreneurs without capital. I, the, the rich, by virtue of being rich, haven't spent it all, and they have no choice short of stuffing it under a mattress but to put it to work. And so you go after the rich – you're going after the opportunity for every single American who's not, but who's got a dream, some kind of idea that they'd like to turn into a commercial reality. And so it's crucial. The end of work is paved by very rich people. And by that, I mean the very rich people will make the investments that lead to progress, that will lead to jobs that people will say, my goodness, I can't believe people are paying me to do this. Um, so you go after the rich at your peril. This is not an ideological statement. Nope. This is just a statement of reality. 
No, no, no I, and I agree with you. This isn't this isn't a political statement. This is not this is not an aisle statement. This is just the reality of it is such that I don't think people understand. The government is not going to pay you for your great idea. It's going to take somebody who's got a lot of excess money, who's going to pay you for your idea, and make you have the ability to invest in someone else who doesn't have the money but has a great idea. It's just, it just works that way. And it, and it, and and you, the more you talked about it, the more I went, golly, that just makes so much sense. Of course, that's the way it works. Of course, mm-hmm. of course, that's why Barbara Cochran and and Mark Cuban are looking at how they're going to invest their excess wealth into people who don't have it, right? They've got money to lose that cannot be stressed enough. Shout it from the mountaintops. <laughs> ESPN exists today because the Getty family was so rich that they had $10 million to lose on a sports concept that was a complete joke to all serious people. So the Getty family had $10 million to lose, and the rest is history. We have ESPN today. You t- only the rich have the means to take risks on ideas that most people reject. And so you, if, if you take away their, their wealth, you are taking away progress. Sorry, but it's true. Mm, that's, it's so good. All right, John. Listen, we I, listen. I got, okay. I'm going to finally let you go because I know you got to get going and do your thing. I have been talking to John Tamney, the end of work, why your passion can become your job, and I want to talk to him more. And I'm going to go to Washington D.C. I'm going to look you up, and you and I are going to go and have dinner and a nice bottle of something. And uh, the plan. Uh, and uh, so because I'm just about five hours from you, so I'm going to do that. Uh, this book, uh, I'm holding it up here so that you all can see it, this end of work. You need to purchase this book. Again, it, it's available. It, look, it's less. the hardcover book alone is less than $20 on Amazon. Get it Amazon Prime, okay? Now, audiobook, Kindle book, the MP3 CD, however you like to listen, buy the book. And don't just buy it for yourself and be selfish. Buy it for someone else. Folks, we're getting closer and closer to the holiday time. Matter of fact, don't blink because Christmas is going to be here. So why don't you, if you're kind of wondering, what would be a great gift to give my college student or, you know, maybe somebody who's been kind of figuring out, you know, I want to do something different and why they would want to. This is a great book. Buy it. Get it for them. And uh, it's, it's, it's a perfect book. It's a great gift, but it's going to be great for you and it's going to give you a new direction. John, before I let you go, I, the one thing I always ask my guests is if you could give one last paragraph or two on helping our folks find a new direction for their either their life, their business, or their career, what would you like to end it on? Um, what would I like to end it on? Uh, I, I think the, the, the best thing to say is uh, to seriously think about what it would pain you not to do. Because once you think about that, what, what would you do on a daily basis if money were no object? Because once you think in terms of that, your options are endless. I'm sorry. In the United States, there's a job for you. And there's a well-paying job associated with what you love to do. It's literally anything. There are people nowadays who make money because they're shoppers, because they love shopping. There are people who make money. There are hedge funds nowadays backing people who are great at picking sports teams and sports contests. You know this all from the book. But there is a career associated with what you would love to do on a daily basis. So go find it and be fearless about it. 
And don't be afraid to take other jobs to pay the bills while you pursue this. Because guaranteed there's, some, there's something remunerative associated with what you're brilliant at. So go out and be brilliant. Folks, what, what can I add to that? Nothing. Except that you've been watching A New Direction and listening to A New Direction. John Tamney, you have been amazing. And I want to thank you. And I am serious. I will... I may see you sooner than you realize because I will be in Baltimore and I may drop down <laughs> and, and surprise well, you. Please do. <laughs> I may surprise you in a couple of weeks. Uh, folks, please do. You, you've been watch, listening to and watching A New Direction. We've been with John Tamney. What a great, 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 uh, great book. Great man. Uh, read him. Look for him. The, the, his name is T-A-M-N-Y and it's John look him up find him he's got he's just a wealth of resources and folks as I say to you every week listen be inspired because when you're inspired you can inspire someone else and when you inspire someone that is the catalyst that gets things in motion to help people find a new direction so find a new direction today be inspired and I will talk to you next week thanks John thanks Jay thank you so much